0: years ago, I was um, coming back from uh, surfing with a buddy of mine in Jacksonville, Florida. I was a minister of music and youth at uh, Arlington Baptist Church in Jacksonville, and I dropped him off, and he said, hey, would you mind walking next door to my neighbor is really sick. He's got cancer. Would you mind just kind of going over and, and visiting with him? I said, well, sure. So we went over there together, and I had this great conversation with this guy. He was one of these guys that was... He trusted Christ when he was younger, so we kind of helped him nail down that decision. And he was like really in the last stages of his life. But he'd never really been a part of a church family. And we talked about that a bit, and I prayed with him. We kind of secured things, and and then I I left. And about a week later, my buddy called me. and said, hey, my neighbor died, and he asked me to ask you to do his funeral. I said, well, sure, yeah. You know, I'm a pastor. That's what we do, and, uh, I liked and I like the guy. I went and did his funeral. It was a graveside. It was me, his lawyer, and the undertaker. It was the only people that, that were there. You see, even though he belonged to Jesus, he had missed the blessing of being a part of a family. Now, he had some other extenuating circumstances with his extended family and hurts and habits and hangups. But, you know, he died alone, and that was not God's intent. That was not God's purpose. You see, God wants us to be connected. And I love the story we just saw of adoption, and there's nothing better in the world that portrays what God has done for us in adopting us into his family. Paul said this, his unchanging plan, and you can see this on the screen, I hope, his unchanging plan has been to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. And this gives him what? pleasure. This gives him pleasure. Now, you've heard me say this before, but I want it to really resonate in your heart that a Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan, that you really need to be a part of a family. Uh, A few months back, when we started this journey with you guys, one of the big longings that Tara and I had is that we needed a home for our heart. We needed a family. You know, I was serving churches, the, the big C church, the global church. I was going all over the country speaking and, and, and teaching and preaching to, to churches. And, but there was just something there that was just gnawing at me that I needed a family. I needed a family. And I guess you guys needed a, you know, a half-baked preacher, and God put us together. And I think that's a pretty cool thing, don't you? Yes. And what we're looking for... <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. I owe money to people that are clapping. What, what we were looking for, now listen to me very carefully. We're looking for a home for our heart. We need a people to love God with and that we could love. And, and I think every one of us in this room, we're looking for the same. We're, we're looking for a home for our heart. We're looking for people that, that we, can, we can live life with. You know, sometimes when you're born into a family, you just get what you get, right? But when you're put into God's family, You get what God wants. That's kind of awesome. This past week, my my uncle, who who am I named after, he passed away. I couldn't go to the funeral because I had to be here and lots of things going on. But my heart was tugged to be with family because God has put that desire in our hearts. And so in this First Life series, the first week we talked about Jesus loves you, and I hope you realize that Jesus loves you. And and the phrase I want you to remember from that talk two weeks ago is that Jesus loves you right now. He doesn't love some future form of you when you get your act together. All right, you got that? Now, he loves you so much he's going to get your act together. But he loves you that much. And, and last week we talked about worship. And we talked about worship, and the phrase I really want you to get that worship is not the songs you sing, but the king you live for. That's what worship is. It's not the songs you sing, but the king you live for. And that's King Jesus, that we're going to worship him. And today, what I'm going to do today, I'm going to do something very unusual. Probably something that's, well, I guarantee it's never been done here before. I know y'all are shocked by that. I've been here, now I think we totaled it up 25 weeks I've been aggravating you folks. Doesn't it feel longer than that? I know, almost a half a year. Now, it's only been, you know, two and a half uh, months of formal aggravation. The other was just uh, interim aggravation. Now, this is formal aggravation. But I'm going to talk to you today about being a part of this family, why God wants you to belong to a church family, why God wants you to be connected. And I'm going to take you through a membership process. Now, some of you are going, Well, I'm visiting from wherever, and I just... Well, get a nap. You'll be okay. If you go to sleep while I'm preaching, I think you trust me, and I'm not offended at all. And some of you are very relieved because you've got some great sleep in the last 25 weeks. But for the rest of us, I think I want you to listen to this, to listen to what... And maybe maybe you're not supposed to be a part of this family, but another church family that you really need to be connected because I think in Christianity today... We are confused about what membership is. We think membership is like joining the country club or getting a Costco card or a Sam's card that we can actually have rights and privileges. And no, when you become a member of the church family, you have responsibilities. You become a part of the body of Christ. You're saying you're going to join with God and his people in his redemptive purposes in the world. And it's not about you. It's about us, it's about King Jesus and us going together to fulfill the mandate of God. Now, I think this will be fun. I hope it'll be fun, and I hope it'll be quick. And at the end, well, you know, quick's a relative thing with me. Some of you got that joke. But I hope at the end of this thing, you're going to say, okay, I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to commit to something, to someone, to somebody's. And let your life be filled with the richness of God because you do not grow without commitment. You don't. And God is asking you to step up and step in to be connected intentionally with the body of Christ. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, what we're about to do. And I pray, God, that you would just speak through me. That'll not be my words or thoughts, but Father, your truth that will lead us to understand what you want done. And what you want us to do, and that none of us will walk out of here not being challenged to commit to you at a deeper level. Father, I suspect some folks in this room today are gonna give their lives to you for the first time. I think I suspect that some people are gonna say, I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna become a part of this family right here and, and serve with them and serve you. But Father, some are well, they're just gonna step into a journey. And whatever it happens, it's all for your glory. So let me speak now with your truth and your peace and your words and your wisdom. And I thank you for how good you are. And I pray this all in Christ Jesus' strong name, amen. Now this ought to be fun. So go ahead and take your notes out, your take the weekend with you notes. And I provided some other scriptures for you to read this week. Let me remind you of the curriculum that we provided for you, the the group curriculum. It's on our website. You can go on and listen to these four-minute videos. Tara and I started our group last Wednesday. It was awesome. We had a great time. The thing is that we didn't have enough time. Uh, we've got this long-winded preacher in our group who won't keep his mouth shut, and that's a problem. Y'all know who that might be? Yeah, and no idea, that's right, thank you, Billy. But the truth is, we started our group. I want you to be connected. It's not too late to be connected. We have people that have badges on This says, ask me about it. Our, my group. We have Sunday school classes that are meeting uh, after this, uh, this gathering. So get yourself connected. But let's jump into this. So here's some things I want you to know. Three, there are three vital steps to finding your place in the church family. Three vital steps to find your place in the church family. First of all, you have to believe. You have to believe. You have to be born into the family of God by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not something you just kind of happenstance. I heard someone say the other day, well, I was just born a Christian. No, you weren't. You might have been born into a Christian family. You might have been exposed to Christian beliefs, but you're not born a Christian. You are born a child of the devil. That explains a lot of two-year-olds right there, right? (laughs) Child of the devil. When my wife used to say, you're acting just like your father, I didn't know she was talking about me or the other one. Yeah. That was supposed to be funny, but obviously it wasn't. But the truth is, you have to be born again. Jesus had this conversation with Nicodemus. In week one, we talked about that. You must be born again. There has to be a decision that's made based on the unction or the movement of the Holy Spirit in your heart that you pray and ask Jesus to come into your, mouth, to come into your heart. Listen to what Paul said in the book of Romans, Romans 10, 9 through 11, and then verse 13. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this word saved is a weird word. What does that mean? Saved from what? Saved from eternal damnation. That's one big thing. That's kind of a good thing to be saved from, right? Also means to be saved from a life that's wasted. God wants you to be saved from a wasted life. Because a life without Christ is a wasted life. And God wants to save you from that. He also wants to save you from living life on your own. He wants to put you into a family. His unchanging plan was to adopt us into a family by bringing yourself uh, to Jesus Christ. And this gives him pleasure. God wants to put you into a family. Now, I want to just chase this rabbit real quick. Because when we talk about adoption, biblical adoption, this is an awesome word picture. Because in the Roman world, and that's the world Paul wrote to, that you could adopt someone at any age. They could be a grown folk, and you could adopt them into your family. And if you were adopted into the family, all your past was obliterated. Your debts were gone. If you were a slave, you were a slave no more. You you had a new name. You had a new identity. You had a new relationship. It was completely Roman adoption made you a citizen of Rome. It gave you rights and privileges of the family. And it made you then an heir to the family's fortune. And you could be done at any age. And so when Paul was talking about this, this was mind blowing to them. He said, Well, God wants to top me. Does, does he know where I've been and what I've done and what I've become? Does he know my my sinful habits? Does he know my proclivity to sin? Yeah. Yeah. And God adopts you. He loves you. Cares for you. And some of you believed all your life that you could not come to God unless you got your act together. And the truth is, you can't get your act together. It won't stay together. But God can get your act together. God can pull you together. And when you say yes to Jesus, he does not change his mind. That's good news. You see, God really does love you. He's loved you with an everlasting love. He's wooed you with tender kindness, it says in Jeremiah. And that was spoken to the nation of Israel, but it's also spoken to us individually. You see, there's sometimes passages of Scripture that are spoken to a specific time and place, but they have universal significance. He's loved you with an everlasting love. He's wooed you with tender kindness. Isn't that, isn't that good? Do you know what it's like to be wooed? Some of y'all have been married a long time. Do you know what it's like to be wooed? Some of y'all need to be reminded what it's like to be wooed, right? Your marriage would get better if you would woo some more. But God is a wooer. He woos us. He draws us in with loving kindness so you, you have to believe that but also you have to understand that you, you've got a big problem that's called sin that every one of us is a sinner I want you to look at your neighbor right now and do something wonderful tell them you are a sinner Will you do that that's <laughs> going to feel so good if <laughs> some of you said I knew it all along that's right He'll say right back at you, but the truth is, that's right. We are all sinners. Are we? Are we all sinners? Okay, let me give you an illustration. Okay, you guys are going to come to my bre- my house for breakfast. Okay, and I'm going to make you an omelet. So tell me what you like in your omelet. Just tell me, ham, cheese, bacon. Of course, bacon. Yeah, jalapenos. That's a Texan right there. Yeah, uh, pears. Did I hear pears? That sounds disgusting. <laughs> tomatoes and yeah all this good stuff that okay so i'll get these and i get three eggs out because i'll make you a three egg omelet and one of the eggs is rotten i don't care i'll make it for you anyway what's that going to do to you could make you sick right or it's going to ruin the omelet right some of us look so good on the outside we're rotten we're rotten. We got stuff. We got secrets. We got hurts and habits and hang ups. I-, I used to go to a church and my pastor would talk about the end of time a lot. And he would say, Today you can walk out of this door, and get hit by a bus, and go to a devil's hell. We had no buses in our town, it bothered me. The devil's bus is out there gonna run over me. But he'd say, When you get to heaven, God's gonna play all your sins on a big video screen. He's not. Because when we come to Christ, he forgives us our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul wrote this. He made him, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteous of God. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say, say to them, good thing Jesus has got you covered. Because we are sinners. We've all done things wrong. And the thing is, we could could say, well, Scott, that's kind of harsh. I'm just telling you the truth. That Christ then paid for your sins. And the theological word for that is he's our propitiation. It means he's the one who took our place. We could not save ourselves. Our good deeds could not save ourselves. Our knowledge could not save ourselves. So God did it. And Jesus died a substitutionary death on the cross, substituting himself for me and for you. And he died that I might be forgiven. And so, what I must do is believe that he did that for me. That's the only thing the Bible asks you to do, is to believe that. Now, it's not some kind of intellectual understanding. I'm reading a really good book right now called The Problem with God, it's one of those Tozer esque books. It's really kind of complicated, but I'm I'm really loving it. And and he talks about that people really have a problem believing God would do this. And, and And there's a lot of problem with people even believing the historicity of Jesus. Did he really exist? And then there's the Christ myth that's been taught in universities all around, our, or all around the world right now, that Christ is a, a mystical a mythical figure and compares him to other mystical messiah types throughout ancient history. And the problem is, it's hogwash because it does not hold up under academic scholarly uh, scrutiny. Stutton. And I've heard these arguments before. I said, But that's not true. That's not what that taught. That's not what that said. That's not true. And that's not true. It's not true. The life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most accurately documented event in ancient history, more so than the rulers of Egypt or all the Caesars of Rome. It happened, and he was, and he is. Josephus, a Roman historian, even wrote about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how it changed the Roman world other extra biblical material give evidence to Christ the historical figure and the messianic presence his miracles and his resurrection it was not doubted in the ancient world and when you go to Israel with me you'll be overwhelmed by the archaeological and historical evidence of the life of Christ and it is ignorant to believe otherwise but here's the problem if that's true then I can't be God and the oldest lie in the book is that you will be a God eat this, you will be a God and if Jesus is God I can't be a God and guess what I make a lousy God I don't know enough I don't have enough power I need King Jesus Jesus And so I must believe in him. Now the biblical word for belief comes from a Greek word called gnosos. And that means a knowledge that is deep intertwined and leads to a commitment. I need to have that knowledge of Christ. Not that it's intellectual knowledge. But a deep intertwining knowledge that leads me to a life of commitment. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm talking about have you been a Baptist or a Methodist or a Catholic or a Presbyterian. I'm talking about have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then ask once you believe, then you're baptized as a symbol of that belief. Baptism doesn't make you right with God. It shows that you are right with God. Now, some of you say, well, Scott, that's awesome. I was baptized as a baby, and that's fantastic. We dedicated children. That's different a dedication or a baptism as a baby is different from a baptism as a believer. It's two different symbols. One doesn't negate the other one. And that you're baptized as a believer after you believe to symbolize the fact that you belong to King Jesus. I wear a wedding ring. Actually, it's not a wedding ring. It's a Tara ring. I belong to Tara. And I got this ring put on my finger when we married, not Before. Now before we married, I gave her an engagement ring, and that was a promise ring that after her and her mama spent all the money they could spend, we would have a wedding, right? <laughs> and so I gave her an engagement ring. And let me tell you this, okay? When Christ comes into your life, he gives you the promise, the promise that he's going to take you to be with him one day. And baptism was a symbol of that commitment. Do you have to be baptized to be a Christian? No. Do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? No. Should you be? Yes. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of obedience. And it's an outward declaration of inward commitment. Peter replied this, this is in Acts 2.38. Each one of you, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of the Lord of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So I have to believe in Jesus. But to be a part of this family, you also have to believe in some theological truths. Now I'm going to run through these. I'm just going to sprint through them. And we have them available on our website, also in other places, if you want to dive into it deeper. But we don't have time for me to preach all of these theological truths. Aren't you excited about that? Here they are. These are the things we believe. We believe the Bible is made up of the Old and New Testaments, an errant, and original given verbally inspired by God. They are complete in revelation of God's will for the salvation of people. They are divine and only rule of Christian life and faith. We believe in God. Therefore, there is one God who is infinitely perfect, existing in three persons the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in salvation. It's only provided by faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a true God, and true man, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of Virgin Mary. He died upon a cross, the just for the unjust, as a substitutionary sacrifice, and all who believe in him are justified on the grounds of his shed blood. He rose from the dead according to the scriptures, and he'll come again in glory. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God and is sent to indwell, guide, teach, and empower the believer and convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. We believe in humanistity. Humankind was originally created in the likeness and image of God, fell through disobedience, thus incurring both physical and spiritual death. We're all sinners and can only be saved by the atoning work of Jesus Christ. The eternal destiny of those who accept Jesus is forever conscious, who reject Jesus, is a forever conscious torment separated from God and from those who believe. Everlasting joy is in the presence of the Lord. So that's a doctrine of heaven and hell. The church. The church of which Jesus is the head consists of all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The local church is the expression of the universal church and gathers to observe the ordinances of the Lord's Supper, baptism, to pray, to be encouraged to the word of God, to fellowship, to testify in word and good deed, and the good news of salvation both locally and globally. And this last Thursday, we had a gathering of pastors of all kinds of denominations on our campus to pour into them what it means to be a Building Lives Church. We had some Presbyterians here, y'all. They were predestined to be here. <laughs> and it was awesome, and we have common ground with them. And and, and to see these pastors going, this is what it should be about. it's to be about. It's about being together in the Big C Church. Perseverance of the saints. I love this. Those who received in faith Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will never fall from grace and be lost. Any belief system that creates insecurity is not of the Lord. Hmm. But shall persevere to the end and spend eternity with God the Father. Baptism. Baptism is a symbol of of believing. Baptism is by immersion, following conversion. It's a symbol and not necessary for salvation, but it's a willing act of obedience and testimony of believers' right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We believe in eternity. There should be a bodily resurrection from the dead, both the just and unjust, the just to life with Christ, the unjust to judgment and separation from God. End times. The Bible is, Jesus is coming again personally and visibly as a completion of the redemptive work of God. I saw a bumper sticker once that said, Jesus is coming, look busy. (laughs) And then finally, we agree with the Baptist faith and message as rewritten in 2000. Now, all of those things, we believe these things because we want to have theological or doctrinal purity. Doctrinal purity. You have to believe to be a part of the family. Now, you say, well, can I be a part of the family before I believe? You hang out with us. We love you. We want you to be. But you know what? We're always going to aggravate you about believing. We always are. Why? Because we want you to spend eternity with God and with us. I, I had a guy not long ago pray and receive Christ with me, and I said, I got good news for you, brother, and bad news. He said, What? I said, The good news is that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus. He goes, Well, that's good news. I said, The bad news, I'm going to be up there too. He goes, Okay. <laughs> Heaven's big. We probably have separate places, right? But the truth is, we get to spend together. And so it's all about believing. Are you guys clear on that one? Now, here's the second thing you got to belong. got to belong. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Now I'm going to repeat this again. A Christian without a church family is a spiritual orphan. You have to choose to belong to a family. You need to be connected. Now I hear people say this to me. Well, you know, I'm a part of the invisible church. Well, that's awesome. When you're sick, does the invisible pastor come to see you? Does the invisible deacon serve you invisible communion? I mean, come on. This this thing about well, I really don't need to be a part of a church. You know what that says to me? It says you don't want to be committed. You don't want to step up and say, "Hey, I'm in. I'm in." And it's the commitments. You don't grow without being committed. What if Terry and I got married and at our wedding I said, Baby, I'm going to love you till I don't love you anymore? How's that going to work? But you know what? A lot of times we do this in church. We we'll we'll say we're committed to a family, but when something doesn't happen that we like, we want to commit to another family. Well, they didn't sing the song I like, so I'm going to go over there and join that church. Or, that preacher doesn't feed me. Well, y'all, if y'all looking for me to feed you, you're going to be hungry because you're only going to get to eat about once a week. It probably is going to be a cheese sandwich on some weeks. The truth is, I have to be committed to a family. One of the reasons we have groups at first is that we want you to be connected. There's no way you could be connected with everyone in this room at these gatherings. There's a whole other room for that's coming that you're supposed to be connected with. You can't be connected with them, but you can be connected with a group that we're connected together. That in that connected group, we must grow large and small at the same time. God wants His church family to grow large and the size that He determines, and to grow small through group group life. And those groups meet on campus or off campus. There are recovery groups, there are service groups, there's ministry groups. I think we started a new group this week—a motorcycle group, right? I think they call it's called a gang, Dan. And, uh, <laughs> Dan named them the Wild Hogs, and Vernon named them the Wandering Piglets. I think uh, whichever works, right? But, you know, what if we had 40 guys ride motorcycles connected, intentionally, living for Jesus? Would that be kind of awesome? Steve, you were part of that too, weren't you? Yeah, you're another Wandering Piglet right there. Yeah, but that's just awesome to say, okay, we're about being connected, and we want to spend life together connected in groups, whether they're on campus or off campus. But y'all were also part of a bigger family, and that's the Southern Baptist Convention. And some of you went, oh, we're part of that bunch. I'll tell you something about that. They don't tell us what to do. There's not a denominational hierarchy. We agree with them to do missions and relief work in the world. They don't tell us what to preach or how to be structured. They don't choose our pastor. They don't own our buildings. We are an autonomous local church. Somebody said to me, I said, are you independent? I said, no, we're not independent. We're interdependent by choice. But we're autonomous. So you could go to this church. He said, well, I went to another Baptist church. Well, that's fine. They're going to be different from this one because this one is autonomous. And we're a Wimberley church. We're not a New Braunfels church or a Houston church. We're a Wimberley church. And so we want to be Wimberley. And we're kind of figuring that out. And I think Wimberley has a barbecue stain on its white T-shirt. That's what I think. <laughs> Let me tell you some of the benefits of membership. It's a sign of commitment to a local church body. When you're a member, you say, I'm committed, it strengthens your bond to spiritual family for support and encouragement. And man, I've already seen that, that when something's going on in this family, you've got a bigger family that's caring about you, that's caring about you. It enables you to discover and use your spiritual gifts, that I can find a place of service and intentionality of of ministry. It places you under the protection of godly leaders. Did you know that when I stand before Jesus, I'm going to have to give an account for you? It says this in Hebrews 13, 17. Submit to those who are over you, and it should be a joy for them, not a pain for them. For they will give an account for your soul. Your pastor has to give an account for your spiritual condition. Don't make me look bad. <laughs> but you know, I knew that when I, when I signed up for this. I knew that. And so the health of this church is so important to me because I want you to be healthy. It gives you the right to vote on leaders in the direction of the church family. We are better together. Last two weeks, we spent time showing you the game plan, opening up the hood and letting you guys look underneath. And there's about 100 people, uh, some, some same, it was about 100 each night, some of the same people came and went, and everybody went away from there encouraged that we have a plan to be healthy and to make a difference for King Jesus. Right? Those of you were there? and yeah, That's four of you that agreed with that. That was exciting. But the truth is we, we looked at where we are, where we're going strategically. And we, we did an exercise. We see a day when. And you guys gave vision. and We put that vision up on the wall. And it was amazing how that vision fleshed out with a vision the staff had worked on. And, and the thing is that this, this church, led by godly staff, staff, pastors who lead us together, offer King Jesus and offer his glory. It's awesome as it's meant to be that it's not us and them, it's us together doing what God wants us to do. And we, we, give, we can do this together. And finally, it gives you a home for your heart, a people to believe and people to belong. Then finally, here's the last thing, you're to become. Become what God wants you to Become. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Now, next week, I'm gonna be talking about spiritual growth. And I'm gonna demystify some things about spiritual growth. And I'm gonna show you the accessibility of how you become like Jesus. And I, what I'm gonna, hopefully, I'll encourage you and you're gonna go, wow, God loves me so much, he wants me to become like Jesus. And that sounds so daunting. But he's given me the Holy Spirit so I may become what he wants me to become. And there's hope and there's, there's help for you. That I'm to become more like Jesus by being connected and growing and serving and sharing and honoring God. That I'm a part of God's movement. I'm part of something bigger than myself, something bigger than uh, college football. Uh, I'm a Florida State graduate. And every year, Florida State, we're going to win the national championship. Well, we got beat by North Carolina State yesterday. And uh, I could be a Baylor fan. But Baylor, uh, Baylor represented against Oklahoma. And there's no Oklahoma fans in the room, right? One, Boomer Sooner, right? I'm surprised the band didn't fire up again to play Boomer Sooner for the 9 billionth time in an hour. But that's just football. Am I gonna give my life to something insignificant or I'm gonna give my life to the greater cause of King Jesus? I've been so impressed with you guys and your response to disaster relief. I talked to one of the greatest churches in the United States this week. And they said, tell us what you're doing. I said, this is what we're doing. We're bringing relief. Because the first thing when a disaster strikes, someone needs to go in and just bring relief. The second thing we're doing, is we're bringing restoration. We're gonna help people get back on their feet. And we're gonna do it in such a way that gives them dignity. We're not gonna do it for them, we're gonna walk with them so they can bring them dignity. There's nothing worse than bringing restoration that degrades people's dignity. We're not gonna say, get out of the way let us do it because we know how to do it better. No, no, we're gonna come alongside you. And the last thing we're gonna do, we're gonna bring revitalization. Because in this relief and this restoration, we're going to earn the right to revitalize. To revitalize. It's been so encouraging for us as we've talked to pastors and churches, and we just love them. And a the natural process. They say this. Gosh, man, you brought relief to us. Thank you so much, and you're helping us restore. Pastor, do you know anything about revitalization? <laughs> well, maybe just a little. Let's go together. And you guys have been the center of this. And this is what this great church said. This great church, one of the greatest churches in the United States said about Wimberley. You're the only ones we've heard that has a plan from Wimberley. From Wimberley. We're a little tidy town. You gotta come here to go here. You'll pass through here, you gotta come here, right? Yeah. But God from here is moving. It's moving. <laughs> I was a part of a church staff once. And I led my neighbor to the Lord. And I sent them to another church because I was embarrassed about the church I was a part of. I'm not embarrassed to invite people to come here. The preacher's mediocre, but the love is strong. Wimberly strong. I don't know about you, amen, In the love or the preacher, but either way, okay? <laughs> Wimberly strong. That we could be the hope of the world. I would join this church. So I did. What about you? For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's time to come home. Time to come home. Now in your bulletin is an insert. It's this kind of long, skinny card. Tara, sweetie, would you mind bringing me? I left my card on the front row because I was nervous. This is my beautiful wife, Tara. Can y'all welcome Tara? Because. And I just got that, that look. What are you doing? What should you be doing? Okay, look, let's look at this card together. This is, this is our membership agreement. Now, this is, I'm going to ask you to sign it, but this is really basically a telling what it means to be a part of this family. Look at this. Having received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and been baptized, or be willing to be baptized, and being in agreement with the church's statements, strategies, and structure, I now feel led by the Holy Spirit to unite with this church family. In doing so, I commit myself to God. And to the other members, to do the following: I will live a life of honor by acting in love towards other members, by speaking positively, lovingly, uh, positively loving, uh, lovingly one another, and supporting the leaders. By seeing all I do as an act of worship, I will I will connect with my church family by praying for our health and growth, by inviting the unchurched to attend, by warmly welcoming those who visit, by being connected in a group and a ministry. Three, I will grow to be more like Jesus. By attending faithfully by living a godly life by giving regularly by regularly reading studying and applying God's word to my life turn it over i will serve the ministry of my church by discovering my gifts and talents by being so equipped to serve by developing a servant's heart five i will share the love of jesus by looking for and seizing opportunities to share my hope in christ by act, by acting by actions should be actions not acting but actions of compassion by building vital relationships with those who are not connected to Jesus or his church, by loving all people in the world in word and deed. That's what it means to be connected. That's what it means to be a part. Now, some of you have been members here since Moses was the pastor. You know, this is a 133-year-old church. I don't think we have any founding members left. I don't. But I do know this. For some of you, this would be a great time to say, okay, I'm recommitting. I'm in. For others of you, this would be a time to say, okay, I want to get in. I want to be a part. So this is what we've done for you today. We make it simple. We have deacons who are ready to do membership interviews. And they're going to be all around the room. They're going to be down front. They're going to be in the back. They're going to be well-labeled and identified. And you say, I want to be a part of this family. We have someone who will talk with you and help you step into membership Today. Today. Now, the last time I did this was at a church in Canada, and we had 450 people step into membership. I don't think we're going to have that number today. But I think some of you need to, okay, it's time. It's time we stepped in. So we want to make it easy for you. For some of you, you need to ask Jesus in your heart. Well, can you pray and ask Jesus in your heart and join a church on the same day? You betcha. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now is the time of commitment. Now is the time to say, I believe, I want to belong, and I want to become with this family today.